Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you so much, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, good evening. How are you doing? Let's see. My last exchange with Justine was last night, and I said to her, that noise you hear in the background is the printer printing out step six. I'm done with step six. Yeehaw. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, And she said, the sound you hear in the background is me over at the cistern. I hope I don't fall in. (laughs) something was up with the water so she was out and it gets very very dark in Costa Rica when it's night Uh, she was out Mm. trying to find out what was going on over at the cistern 
they're at a high point. So uh, the water has always been a bit of a tricky issue. Hmm. And there's a, yeah. a there's a Qigong retreat going on there now, so there's quite a few people there. So a lot more water usage. Right. Wow. Yep. But it, her place looks really beautiful out there. Wow. It is. It's so uh, just gorgeous place to be and so close to everything. You can like walk half a mile down the road and you're at the beginning of this like trail of these bridges and waterfalls and just boom right into the treetops of the the rainforest. And uh, then you can like, you know, get in a car and travel down to Montezuma, the town, and then you're in, you know, like surfer culture, although the best surfing is, is on the other side in Malpais. Um, mm. But, it, you know, there's like a street fair every night in Montezuma. There's like 50 or so street vendors with their goods and their wares just sitting out behind their tables, talking and talking mm. to you and being in the street. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> and, really she, nice, and there's good food. That nice ambiance, really and then of course the beach. The ocean and the beach is just right out there. Actually, it's the um, the Gulf, the Nicoya Gulf, on that side. Mm-hmm. That's very beautiful. Which is there's the actually blue zone, an, right? The there's there's oh. an island nearby, which is the burial island, and the island. Mm. You can walk to the island at low tide, back at high tide. Mm. So you have to really time going to the island, how much time you spend on the island, and getting back off the island before the water gets too deep. Risky. Yeah, it will, and it's it, it's a rugged walk because of course it's volcanic stuff so it's all like mm-hmm. fissured and, and just really difficult to walk on and then as the water starts coming up it starts getting higher and higher and you're going oh yeah you because know, you can't really go fast but it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. just everything is so exciting justine is always sending me pictures of monkeys in the trees and all kinds of exotic so alive. wonderful things yeah very cool. Well, we're having a, a friend of mine on the radio tonight, uh, Abigail Barella. She's She lives in Eugene. And um, I just wanted to say that she's just like one of these really hardworking, you know, single moms. And I always uh, just admire so much, like, how much she puts out, you know, so much free information on Instagram and, like, uh, following, like, all of the astrology and um, she puts she has a YouTube channel too with, with so much free information and um, it's really incredible how much work she does like being a single mom and stuff. So as I'm I was reading over the information about her, my heart was just kind of feeling this glow and the sense that to me she is really the archetype of the wise woman tradition. The wise woman tradition isn't you people that we put up, although it's fine to have that, the wise woman tradition is lots and lots and lots of invisible people. Lots of people who are 
putting it out there for themselves and their families and those they love and who have learned that if they go in and fill themselves up, then everything else is overflow and there's a lot of overflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been a real joy seeing you learn that and manifest that too, Rebecca. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an ongoing Ongoing, so. <laughs> yes, every single bit of it. So I'm very excited to be talking with Abigail Barella, wise woman and storyteller and lots of other things. Stick with us. She'll be on at nine. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, of course. You want to jump in question? Finishing step six means oh, that, that I have been inside on these beautiful days, so I think tomorrow I'm going to go out, out, out. Yeah, and, it was uh, pouring rain. But it was I had pouring to rain there. Well, the year's been gorgeous. <laughs> and here it is, April, yeah. and I had my first classes, the end of April. Uh, spring tonics, as always, a wonderful time to go out and about and look and see what's growing. And then... Um, I had often called the class, the other class on the weekend, Spring Wonders or something. This year I called it Woodland Wonders, and that must have jinxed it, and nobody has signed up for Woodland Wonders. So come on. We're going to go out in the woods, and we're going to go around. We're going to probably see dwarf ginseng. Who knows? We might see lady slipper. We'll see some gay wings for sure. There's all kinds of really fascinating plants out there in the woods that you only get to see for about a week in the spring. Because once the trees are like seriously leafed out, these ephemeral flowers of spring, they don't like the shade. They like the sun. And so they get out and get their stuff done early on. Looking forward to that. Lots of stuff going on out in the woods. Mm-hmm. You said something about questions. I take it we have people with questions. Yeah, we have a few people waiting on the line with questions. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to ask your question. And our first caller is coming from a private number. Hello, is that me, Mindy? Yes, it is. Hi. Green blessing. Susan, how are you? I am doing doing extremely well. Uh, How about you? That's great. And I have a question, and it's um, regarding my mother. She just got a diagnosis of breast cancer. It's grade three. They don't know the staging of it. So I wanted some guidance in this area. We don't have any family history of breast cancer. So it's kind of really derailed us, even though I've, you know, read your work and I follow your work for myself, I, I just would like some guidance as to what she could possibly do. I mean, she, her doctor is most, telling her to go. most important thing uh-huh. for her to feel like she's choosing what she wants. Uh-huh. And that she's choosing based on good information. Mm-hmm. 
In order to get that good information, it is sometimes necessary to do more than just, as one of my teachers says, follow the Arthur Murray cutout dance steps. Mm-hmm. So those cutout dance steps would be, your mother is diagnosed with cancer. There is further work done in which some kind of dye is injected into her lymph nodes. Her lymph nodes are cut out to see if the cancer is in lymph nodes. A CAT scan will probably be done and or an MRI to see if there's any metastatic process. Mm-hmm. I know that you remember, have heard about my friend Marie who found a very tiny lump less than the size of a lentil in her breast and 135 days later was dead. Mm-hmm. And when they did that CAT scan, there were many places that the cancer was already growing. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I said to Marie, you have only one decision, and that is, do you want quality of life or quantity of life? Mm-hmm. And this is not an easy question to answer because the medical profession has already answered it for you. You want more life. You don't care what your quality of life is. Mm-hmm. You don't care if you're in so much pain that you have to take morphine or, or opioid drugs. You don't care if you lose your hair. You don't care about the quality of your life. You want it to be longer. Mm-hmm. So if we do want to choose quality, mm-hmm. we have to actively fight for it. Mm-hmm. Because those dance steps are you do this, you do this, you do this. Once we've staged it, then mm-hmm. we will tell you about surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. Mm-hmm. Surgery removes the breast that has the cancer or the cancer itself with a clear margin, which means a significant amount of tissue around the cancer that isn't touched by the cancer. Mm -hmm. Radiation is almost always recommended, Mm -hmm. although there is a growing body of evidence. And in my breast cancer book, which is now more than a decade old, the research was already in that Radiation um, causes a host of damages and doesn't mm-hmm. prevent occurrence. Again, if you decide you want the quality of life that not having radiation confers on you, <clears throat> you have to fight for it. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why I usually don't do secondhand consultations because it doesn't matter what you want, mm-hmm. it's what your mother wants. Well, I mean, she really. She's expects- not willing to do anything other than the footsteps, that's okay. And, of course, you know, depending on what stage it is, chemotherapy may or may not be advised. And what you can do Mm -hmm. at any time in this process is to support her with nourishing herbal infusions and adaptogenic herbs. Okay. You You can support her emotionally and make it very clear to her that you are going to support her no matter what she chooses. Yeah. This is not easy to do. No. 
infusions, which ones can I recommend for her? I did recommend red clover tincture and burdock tincture. This is certainly wonderful adjuvant herbs for her to use. The five nourishing herbal infusions, stinging nettle, oat straw, red clover, linden flower, and comfrey leaf are the nourishing herbal infusions that I use in every instance mm-hmm. with okay. everybody. Yeah. They aren't so, drugs. These mm-hmm. are not nourishing herbal infusions that are going to get rid of her cancer. Mm-hmm. She might be able to get rid of her cancer, depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. And grade three is just, you know, the beginning of the information. Is it estrogen positive? It is know, estrogen positive. Estrogen est- cancers are usually easier to get rid of. Tamoxifen, which is a kind of positive. chemotherapy, is almost always recommended to women with breast cancer, especially if they have estrogen positive. So, mm-hmm. again, this is the cut-out footprints that she is supposed to follow. These things will be damaging to her. The best you can do if she does not want to do anything but follow along in these footsteps is to encourage her to use nourishing and adaptogenic herbs. So what can you recommend? In red clover seem to me, I could be wrong, to be things you pick because you think of them as being anti-cancer. Well, it came to me to do red clover because I use red clover in infusion. She couldn't do the infusion, so I got her the tinctures. She I couldn't got her bird do the tinctures. infusion? Pardon me? I'm not understanding that she couldn't do the infusion. Yeah, she said she was. Um, she felt nauseous. So, but she when she drank it. The t- Pardon me? When she drank it. She drank it, though, but she said she felt nauseous because she's nauseous. also... The yeah. difference between red clover infusion and red clover tincture is kind of like the difference between raisins and champagne. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm encouraging her to do the infusion. She just says she prefers the tinctures. And like you said, I didn't want to force but the issue. I completely issue. understand, but they are not in any way interchangeable. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, should I drink red clover infusion or take red clover tincture? I'll take the tincture. Mm-hmm. It's like, should I eat an apple or an orange? They're that different. So, What you're getting in red clover infusion, you cannot get in the tincture. What you're getting in the tincture, you don't get very strongly in the infusion. And to do both is fine, right? The infusion and the tincture. Yeah. 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 And burdock is fine, burdock tincture? Burdock is absolutely fine, but what I'm saying is that there are adaptogenic herbs that Mm -hmm. can help her if she decides to go for surgery, if she decides she's going to do radiation, if she decides she's going to take tamoxifen. I'm pretty sure that you have my book breast cancer question mark breast health exclamation point actually I had given it to a friend whose mother has it and I have to get it back so I really I I don't have it with me right now that's my problem so that's why I said well she said she'll follow what what, um, your guidance is because 
you know. Right, but you it's guidance. Are, My guidance is that she should follow what she wants from her life. Well, she's going in for surgery because I believe that's what the root is, and I, I, so she's I said, gonna follow the footprints. Um, I think that's what she's leaning with with herbal therapy as an adjunct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that case, what adaptogenic herbs would you recommend? Just to start out I with I don't right. recommend herbs. Okay. Because it's against the law. Okay. What I'm saying is mm-hmm. that nourishing and adaptogenic herbs are mm-hmm. always useful, and especially if we're doing surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. Okay. Any any suggestions? I have courses at teachable.com about adaptogenic herbs. Mm-hmm. David Winston has a book about adaptogenic herbs. Donnie Gantz has a book about adaptogenic herbs. I have a question. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. It's cutting out. I just wanted the names. What are the names? I'm sorry. Donnie Yance, Y-A-N-C-E, has a book about adaptogenic herbs. Mm-hmm. And David Winston also has a book about adaptogenic herbs. David Winston's book is at the Wise Woman Bookshop. Okay. And I have a course at teachable.com on adaptogenic herbs. And I also have a course at teachable.com called Help Yourself the Wise Woman Way with a Cancer Diagnosis. And it starts with anxiety and fear and Oh my gosh, how am I going to cope with this? Mm-hmm, that's Herbs to help us right. through those emotional states, because that's usually where we start from. Mm-hmm. And then it gets specific about herbs that can be used to counter cancer, which I don't think are going to be on your mom's dance card. And then herbs that can be used if we're choosing radiation, herbs that can be used if we're choosing surgery, herbs that can be used if we're choosing chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Right. How to not just survive, but thrive. So does she does she have to enroll in this teachable dot com or can I do it? I mean, it might be more difficult for her. Course is downloadable. Okay. So um, if if your agreement with her is that she's going to follow the footsteps and do what they tell her to do and not question any of that, and you're going to give her complementary integrated support mm-hmm. and what would make sense would be for you to get as much information as you can because she doesn't want to and this is something that happens when Don't we're diagnosed with cancer sometimes we feel just shut down like I can't think I can't choose anything I'm just going to do whatever I'm told to do it's not the healthiest thing to do to just do whatever you're told to do but I see how it makes women feel better to choose it. To actually look at the studies showing that radiation doesn't improve your odds at all. And to say no to radiation really requires that you take a different stance in your life. Mm-hmm. Now, there are many people who actually believe that that is the wake-up call of cancer, is that you are supposed to make that kind of large change in your life. Mm-hmm. I believe that. 
I do. I believe you. So. So, you know, we can't even begin to get ourselves to do everything we want ourselves to do, let alone get anybody else to do things we want them to do. That is so true. I mean, I, I told her to start with turkey's tail, and I, I bought her a bunch of dried mushrooms, um, you know, puff balls, cordyceps, uh, shiitake, maitake, and she's doing the brew. I mean, it has not been easy, but since she detected the lump, I, I got her on that um, because of thanks to you again. Um, so she's doing that. It just, I think she feels Me and the tremendous worldwide research showing that, that mushrooms are some of the best of the adaptogenic plants. Mm-hmm. They work very well together. Mm-hmm. And they, to my mind, are um, a real trustworthy ally in preventing metastatic process. Mm-hmm. The yes, truth uh, of the matter is that no one has ever died of breast cancer. Yeah, I have actually. My friend's mother has it. She's stage four. It's metastasized everywhere. And I was, I just want to say this, while because you just brought this up. Uh, she had a touch of it on her rib and bone, just a touch. And they did radiation and it's gone everywhere. So... I think that's case in point that, you know, it doesn't help. It can actually worsen things. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I do, I do know you're, you're, you're all, I don't say that usually because, you know, but I know as, you're, you as, right. as your, as your mother's daughter, mm-hmm. um, it's, I believe it's what you want to support her and love her, whatever she chooses. I I do. I just I just also don't believe in the medical system. So that's I think I I come from that um train of thought as well. I have absolutely not much faith in in it. Um so my own my own leanings are towards herbalism and what it can do. Mm-hmm. Um so that's yes, that, that's great, but don't ignore massage, acupuncture, visualization. Mm-hmm. Affirmations? Yeah. You know, it, things go around and round in our heads. That's why we say mantras. Because mm-hmm. if we don't say Om Mani Padme Hum, or Shanti Shanti, Om Shanti, Peace, 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 then what goes yeah. around in our heads is, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer, I could die. I've been diagnosed with breast cancer, I could die. I've been diagnosed with breast cancer, I should do whatever they tell me to do or I'll be dead. No, I got her right on the affirmations also. But this is great. Om Shanti Shanti. Yes, she she's grown yes. up with so she she'll resonate with that. I, I can bring that to her. And Omani Badmiham also I will I will tell her. Yeah. Um Yes. Whatever she can do to help her mind be at ease will give her immune system more oomph. So in the meanwhile, before the because I mean the appointment will take some time. She's requested a certain, well or whatever you know, the surgeon. There's some kind of process, I, I guess they say. So in the meantime, the herbal infusions and adaptogenic herbs. Can I can I at least um, give her something like milky oat? Because the anxiety level is 
is really high. I mean, I was thinking of starting her on oat Totally different than oat straw. Mm-hmm. It is. So in, the infusion is made of oat straw, which is mineral rich. Uh-huh. Milky oats is usually tinctured, and it's um, to calm the nerves. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I just um, finished step six. So let's look into step six. Allies for those choosing surgery. Close to surgery allies request the earliest day of the week and the earliest time of the day available. Cuts and burns that are suffered during the day heal 60% faster than those incurred at night. Mm. Say no to tests before surgery. Seven medical specialty societies advise against pre-op stress tests and unless specific to the surgery, x-rays and blood tests are also unnecessary. Stop taking vitamins, aspirin, and herbs in capsules three to seven days before your surgery. Nourishing herbal infusions and tinctures of tonifying and adaptogenic herbs count as foods, not drugs. If you haven't already, meet and talk to your anesthesiologist a five-to-ten-minute talk. was more calming to 200 patients awaiting surgery than a sedative. Ask the anesthesiologist if she, he will be willing to read or play a tape of affirmations to you during your surgery. Guided imagery, affirmation, and visualization before, during, and after surgery. Help patients heal faster, sleep better, need less pain medication, and feel safer. Positive conversation. Just before surgery, relaxed patients better than drugs. I'm here for you, Mom. Mm-hmm. Being scared, nervous, or upset before any invasive test or procedure doubles your risk of adverse after effects. Motherwort tincture in small doses can prevent and relieve anxiety. Oh, motherwort, okay. Right before and during surgery, allies. If you are told not to eat or drink after midnight before your surgery, question that advice. Mm -hmm. It is best to fast starting only eight hours before the procedure to maintain good blood sugar levels. Two hours prior to surgery. Patients allowed to drink, feel better overall, experience less anxiety, require less IV fluids during and after surgery, maintain a better metabolic rate when under anesthesia, and recover faster. Mm-hmm. It used to be that when they put people under anesthesia, occasionally someone would throw up into their own throat and aspirate their vomit and die from that. Mm-hmm. And thus began the rule of not allowing people to eat after midnight before their surgery. But just think, if your surgery is not till 4 in the afternoon and you haven't eaten since after midnight, you've been fasting all day. You're going to go into surgery. You're going to be put out and your blood sugar is going to sink like a stone in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, we don't do that with people. We intubate everybody. Everybody gets a tube down their throat. You can't throw up and, and inhale your vomit. It's simply impossible. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, what studies are finding is that if you tell people they can't eat after midnight, they eat a huge amount of food right before midnight, then they go to sleep, it lays there undigested, and they're actually a little more likely to throw up than the person who ate closer to the time of the surgery. Mm -hmm. This is what you mean when you say you don't really trust the medical profession. The mm-hmm. fact of the matter is that they pretend to be doing things on a scientific basis, and they will quote study after study, but they aren't. They, and as they, much as any they, other profession, have a whole bunch kind of, um, you know, little things like NPO, n- nothing per aura, don't drink <laughs> or eat anything after midnight, you know, this big sacred cow for people going into surgery. And mm-hmm. it's not really established by science. Let nourishing oat straw infusion build your electrolytes, soothe your stomach, and calm your nerves. Avoid milk and alcohol. Dr. Andrew Weil urges you to insist that the surgeon authorize high doses of vitamin C in an IV drip, 20 grams over a 24-hour period, during the entire time you're in surgery. Even if the surgeon is willing, this may not be allowed or covered. Surgeons who work with the music of their choice in the background are more accurate and efficient. Patients who listen to music before surgery are less anxious before the surgery and require less post-surgery medications. Mm -hmm. Immediately after surgery, book a massage or Reiki treatment. Find a way to say, please forgive me to your body. Strangers have just cut it with sharp knives. Yeah. Counter surgical complications with drinkable protein, nourishing nettle infusion, a chocolate malt, or bone broth. All work well. Recovery from anesthesia is not simply the result of the anesthetics wearing off, but also of the brain finding its way back through a maze of possible activity states to those that allow conscious experience. Put simply, the brain has to reboot itself. Now I see I have left something out here, and that is Arnica gel. If you are actually there with your mom when she comes into recovery, mm-hmm. you can get some homeopathic Arnica gel, and you can rub that on the soles of her feet. It doesn't have to go where the surgery was. On the soles mm-hmm. of her feet. And that... Um, counters the trauma of the surgery. Mm-hmm. And if you can't be there, somebody who can be there can do that. I'm 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 there. I I plan to do it. I plan to be there. Great. So I'll do it. Um so We've been talking for quite a long while, and I know we could talk for a lot longer, but I hope this has at least given you some places to start investigating and um, some ideas to start working with. Okay, I can I can order another copy of the book because it doesn't make sense right now to get that copy back. I just have a question regarding Pokey Root. Is it okay for me to give her Poke. a couple of in water? Poke, yeah. Is it okay for you? To give her, yeah. Given this, I know you don't you, give her anything. No, I mean like she's, she's in charge of her healing. Does she want to take Bokru tincture? 
Yes. I consider Pokerud chemotherapy. He's going to be doing radiation, then Pokerud probably wouldn't be a good choice. If she's going to be doing chemotherapy, Pokerud would not not be a good choice. I would like to see her be as active as possible. So, doing what she wants. If you are going to support her, then I suggest you use nourishing and adaptogenic herbs. Poke is neither. No, I just wanted it to, uh, for the cleansing of the lymph. That's all. For the cleavers or don't use the word. Pardon me. Cleanse? Not cleanse. I mean to just do get not rid use of the... that word. We do not cleanse anything, and poke doesn't cleanse That's anything. True. That is poke true. I stand an herb that can be used instead of chemotherapy. Okay. Okay. I know people who have taken very large amounts of it and beaten their cancer. Mm-hmm. I, I know it says that in your book. That's why I was I. But I also know you have said to start very in very small doses. Sounds like the, she wants to use herbs to get rid of her cancer. She does. It's it's just. Um, it's just she's hesitant because of all the medical, um, you know, her doctors kind of saying no, 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 and in you know, and and she knows my belief in the herbal system, so she says maybe you know, she needs to get a second and a third opinion. And how can she do that? That's she's also doubting the diagnosis, with, even with though another doctor. I, I know we're, we're in Canada here. It's, it, the doctor says you can't get another another biopsy. Ah, uh, mm. yes, you suck. Yeah, that's. Well, that's, she has to decide: is it her body or her doctor's body? Mm-hmm. So I, I I I can call you next week. I just I just thought of your and thoughts. And you get a copy of the book. Don't let your doctor kill you. By Erica Schwartz. Okay. Good mother to me. Don't let your doctor kill you. I'll I'll write it down. I'll 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 try to get that for her at the same time. And just a, between poke and cleavers, that was where I was leaning towards. I just wanted your thoughts, just very quickly, because I know the affinity of the cleavers for the breast tissue. So I just thought. So I don't want to continue to talk. About five minutes ago, I tried very politely to say goodbye, and you suggested very, very wisely that you could call next week. So uh, let's continue this discussion about cleavers and poking lymph glands next week. Green blessings. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 206 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. I'm so grateful to be with you. Um, I called you about two months ago. I told you that I had been unable to sleep for several weeks, that I had been experiencing a lot of itchy skin, and you suggested that I was entering my menopausal journey, which was enormously liberating and relieving. And so I've been really embracing that and reading your menopause book, and some other things have started to surface, and I'm just um, I'm not sure if they're connected to menopause. One of them is I've been having some pressure in my chest, um, like a squeezing tight sensation, and this started 
about three weeks ago, and I tried different things for it. I just tried to do some relaxation exercises. I thought it might be heartburn or indigestion, so I tried to work with that. And it wasn't going away, and I was so scared that I ended up doing what I never do, which is going to an urgent care medical clinic. And they sent me to the emergency room, and I went to the emergency room and was there all day, and they did all these tests, and they couldn't find anything. My vitals were great. They did an EKG. There were no problems indicated. They did blood work. They did an x-ray, all these things that I never do unless I, you know, feel like I absolutely have to. And they never found anything. So that feeling has, has not fully abated. It kind of comes and goes. Um, it's not affecting my breathing. My oxygen intake seems fine. Um, the, the pressure feeling, um, sometimes it'll radiate out through my chest and I can feel kind of a throbbing pain in my breasts. Um, and then last night was the first time I experienced a heart palpitation and I wasn't doing anything active at all. And all of a sudden my heart started racing. It was kind of pounding. And when I put my fingers to my pulse and just checked it for a while, I noticed that it, it wasn't a steady rhythm either. I don't know if that's called arrhythmia where it's like, boom, 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 boom. Like it just, it was kind of syncopated. And then I also noticed that my, um, fingertips were feeling a little bit numb and tingly so I was reading about menopausal stuff and I did see that heart palpitations could be um, something that goes with menopause and I just um, I'm not getting a sense from my inner knowing I'm not getting a sense of like that I have something very scary because I, I regularly check in with myself. I use my pendulum. I go inside and look around inside my being. And I, I don't get a sense that it's for the most part, I don't get a sense that it's something I should be concerned about, but I am still a little bit concerned, obviously, which is why I'm calling. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out, if, if it could be connected to menopause, to indigestion, um, my cards are indicating heart chakra stuff. So I just, um, I thought I would call you and see if you can feel into it and, and help me kind of. Well, let's, let's look at it this way. You're getting some pretty strong messages that something is happening with your heart. You yeah. decided to see if the scientific tradition could measure and find something that didn't measure up and could then fix it. But they couldn't. Mm-hmm. So there are two other choices. The heroic tradition, which could tell you how to get in balance and which toxins you needed to cleanse. The wise woman tradition, which would suggest that you nourish your heart. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I like about the wise woman tradition is you just can't go wrong with that kind of advice, can you? No. Say you nourish your heart, and it turns out that there's nothing wrong with your heart. doesn't seem like we did anything wrong. Matter of fact, your heart's probably healthier. Say we nourish your heart and it turns out there is something wrong with your heart. Well, we still didn't do anything wrong. And whatever it is that's going on, your heart's going to be able to deal with it better because it's been nourished. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the world loves Hawthorne for nourishing the heart. Motherwort is another big favorite. Passion flower mm-hmm. is another heart helper. There's so many herbs that can safely nourish the heart. There are, of course, mm-hmm. some very powerful alkaloids in the plant world, including those in Lily in the Valley and Foxglove, um, False hellebore, uh, cardiac active glycosides that can kill you. But that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for heart medicine. We're looking for heart food. (laughs) Yeah. And again, this is something I love very much about the wise woman tradition. The wise woman tradition is not asking us to be medical professionals and find out what's wrong and fix it. It's saying what you can do and what you can safely do is nourish your heart. How are you going to do it? Yes. How am I going to do it? I, um, I do have motherwort tincture and I've been, working with that a lot. So I will continue to do that. And, you know, I really think that there's some loving, (laughs) some loving that I could do. Um, Some heart opening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the stories that I tell about menopause is that this very strong energy, this life force energy is released inside the body. And it goes through all of the chakras and shakes them up. And it doesn't do it in order. Hmm. It goes first to the chakra that needs the most wow. shake. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. That's really resonating. I mean, that energy literally has been shaking your heart. Mhm. And I really like as I said I've been checking in with myself and I really trust that my my heart and my body and my spirit my being this whole being will will tell me if if I have to do something drastic if there's some kind of like serious like heart condition that requires some like intervention beyond nourishment like 
If I'm in trouble, I believe that I I'll... I think Mick no. Jagger is getting a heart valve replaced tomorrow. <laughs> a thing. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, okay. I, be- I believe you, too. So I'm glad you're working with Motherwort. Hawthorne is a wonderful ally. There's a lot of different ways to work with Hawthorne. Use it what are as, some ways I could work with Hawthorne? Use it as an excuse to get to know Hawthorne, you know. Hawthorne mm-hmm. are wonderful. If you live where there are Hawthorne, ripe Hawthorne berries in the fall, you can make Hawthorne jams and jellies and just all kinds of things with them. You can make vinegars and tinctures with them. They can be dried mm-hmm. and brewed into infusion. Hawthorne leaves and flowers are used in infusion as well. It's a really lovely plant. And there's certainly dozens, maybe even hundreds of different species. Mm-hmm. I was out there last fall. Just a uh, mile walk along the road, we found three different species of Hawthorne, all fruiting mm. fruits. Mm-hmm. Okay. So become friends with Hawthorne. Okay. All righty. Thanks Thank for you, calling. Susan. Green blessing. Green blessing. The next caller is coming from the 646 area code. Susan, can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is Sasha. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you again for sharing the wisdom which has been such a gift to me, and I can see to so many other people that call the show. And um, it's just such a, I don't know, it's very empowering, all the information that you share, and you help me to kind of get back into my power and in my body. And my question today is, um, I'm two months pregnant. I went to my kind of first visit to the doctor, and I decided to go with the doctor. Um, and they they said the baby looks good. I mean, it's very small, but they said it looks exactly how it's supposed to be at the two months. But they did see a fibroid, and they said not to worry about it. It's in a location where it's not it's not supposed to affect the baby at all. And um, I guess you're talking about a sonogram. It's an ultrasound. Ultrasound is a sonogram. Yes. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what they did. Just the, just the ultrasound, and mm-hmm. um, so. So, yeah, but, you know, they said not to worry. Which, um, interestingly uh, enough, the board that regulates ultrasound does not recommend it for any fetus ever. Hmm. Why is that? Most doctors do it because they're afraid of insurance claims if they don't, not because it's healthy for you or the baby. You mean the ultrasound? Yes. Hmm. It can be very, it can be damaging. To the fetus. Even if it's outside of the uterus, like on the belly? They are passing sound waves through your uterus. If it didn't get to your uterus, then you couldn't see your baby, yo. Right, right, right. Okay. So once again, following in... The painted dance footsteps does not lead to health for us individually. 
right to help for the healthcare system, but it doesn't make us very healthy. Yeah, There's no reason for you, as a pregnant woman, to ever have an ultrasound. Hmm. The only reason they do it is for them. I'm reading again from step six. Sonogram ultrasound. A beam of sound at a frequency many times higher than can be heard is projected into the bottle, into the body from a small vibrating crystal. The echoes coming from different surfaces are correlated in a computer and create a three-dimensional picture. Mm-hmm. There's a sonogram. They are fairly benign when used sparingly. It can be very detrimental to developing fetuses. Ultrasound is much more likely a cause of autism than vaccination. Wow, that's interesting. Routine sonograms do not make babies healthier, nor do they improve pregnancy or birth outcomes. In fact, in 2014, the Food and Drug Administration issued a caution on ultrasound during pregnancy. Routine fetal ultrasound should be avoided. Only if there are exceptional medical indications should ultrasound be allowed, and at minimum intensity. Sessions should be very brief, no more than three minutes. Multiple sessions should be avoided because hazards are cumulative. Human Mm. studies have found sensitive organs in the fetus damaged at one minute of exposure. Oh, my God. Hmm. But it's such a standard practice. Everybody does it. It's crazy that, you know, it's just not like a common knowledge. What you say, obviously, you know, medical profession doesn't want it to be. That's why it's not. But The medical profession is not doing things to make you or the baby healthy. They are doing things to prevent being sued. Yeah, so it's based on fear. Based on fear of being sued, yes. And you are going there based on fear. Yes. So, you you know, who's calling the the pot black here? You took yourself there because of fear. Yeah. And not only fear, but maybe not knowing. I mean, I know there is another option as a midwife, but... I'm just only starting on this journey, and I don't know. I don't know what the reason for any healthy pregnant woman to have anybody intervene if she is taking care of herself, eating well, exercising well, and in a loving, supportive relationship, whether that be with a partner or family. Mm-hmm. So, my sister. Was a midwife mm-hmm. for a good long while, and her partner wrote a book called Blood Work During Pregnancy. And it was the classic book, probably still is, used by midwives and maybe doctors. Hundreds of pages. And I remember getting pregnant and calling her up 
and saying, Anne, you know, I don't want to read the whole book. Just tell me what blood work I should get. And she said, are you crazy? You're a healthy pregnant woman. Stay away from doctors and don't get any blood work of any kind. Wow. I personally think that the worst thing you can do when you're pregnant is take prenatal vitamins. I'm not. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I did research, but I also listened to you, and I'm drinking my infusions. It's actually my second year of drinking the infusions. Well, almost the second. The first year. I'll be, in June will be a year since I've been drinking them, and I really believe in them. I mean, they helped me to get pregnant. I haven't been able to get pregnant in two and a half years, and since I started drinking them and met you on my path and then kind of back into my body eating meat and you know, all these other things, I, I finally got pregnant, but now there is so much more to figure out. You actually don't have to figure out being pregnant. Your body knows how to do it. But what about the fibroid? What about the fibroid? Do you think it's going to harm the baby in any way? Absolutely not. And I, Impossible I for it. Impossible for it to harm the baby. In fact, could it? Could the pregnancy affect it? Like because I didn't. I I went before to the doctors like about in November and they checked everything and there was not no fibroids and now it's March and I went to the doctor this time and there's a fibroid, a size of a plum. She said, but it's not blocking anything. It's like on on top somewhere, like where it's not gonna affect the baby. Hopefully, but I'm still. It will not. Affect, it will not affect the baby. Women have gotten pregnant and carried to term with actually quite large fibroids in their uterus. Mm-hmm. And think about it. Women give twins and even triplets. There's plenty of room there. So it's, it's not. A, and it You know what you see on the ultrasound depends on what angle you're doing. And because right. your uterus is expanded now. Because of the pregnancy, you might be able to see something that you couldn't have seen before. Mm. And but again, one of the main reasons why in step six that I warn against these kinds of tests, because so many times they throw up something that's very benign and it causes people to worry needlessly. Yes. Yes, and I've done that before. When I went to a fertility doctor and they told me things, and after talking to a final, I was able to calm down and just drink the infusions and, you know, do my yoga and, you know, mantras and believe in myself and, take, you know, eating meat and being back in my body, and I was able to get pregnant. Even so, they said I might need procedures and come back in one month, uh, but I, I did not come back in one month, and I took my time, and I trusted. I guess this is another, and then I have to. I go to them and then I come back and I learn something and now I have to go back to the same process of trusting and taking care of myself. And We, we want there to be someone that we can partner with to take good care of ourselves. We really do. And most of us go to the doctor or to the prenatal clinic thinking that's what we're going to find. Yes. And we are shocked and horrified to discover that they're busy taking care of themselves and not really taking care of us. Right. But you don't think I need to do anything about this fibroid, like Vitex? I know you recommend in your book down there, but that's not for pregnant women, so I should just let it be, right? Absolutely. And just, and then it should be able to go, like shrink after I give birth. 
fibroids, are about as common as freckles. <laughs> and they're no more likely to harm you than the vast majority of freckles. Okay. That puts my mind in It's a good perspective to see it that way. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Green Thank blessing. you so much. Susan. Thank you. Bye. The next caller is coming from the 956 area code. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that I'm having a chance to speak with you. Um, I'm 60, and um, two years ago I was told I, I went in because uh, a woman friend suggested I go to a doc, an MD because I was bleeding profusely. And um, I did, and they did a biopsy because the ultrasound saw that I had very thickened endometrial wall. Two years later, I've been, uh, I didn't do anything that they suggested, of course, because that's not my way. Um, Somebody turned me on to a naturopath, and I've been taking herbs for the two years, and I just started with a homeopath. And um, I'm living with a friend now for another week, um, and she had your book. Um, And I, I saw that all of my symptoms were just normal menopausal symptoms, which was wonderful to know because I had no clue because my mom passed before she went through her her years, her years. So uh, my question is, um, when there are no tumors, they didn't find any tumors, um, uh, a slightly thickened endometrial wall during the menopausal years, what could it be likely be from, and why does it thicken? Is it hormonal? I, I don't understand that. I've been getting a lot of extreme pain. Um, I, I went because the pain was extreme, again, to another doctor. I'm not, I haven't told them that there was a diagnosis before stage one. Um, and she sent me to a GI specialist. They did a a colonoscopy. They took a snip off of uh, the intestine of uh, uh, a polyp, uh, a dental, whatever, uh, precancer, and uh, said, see in five years. And I went to another, because the system, the way it is, this medical system's I don't like, but the so anyway, she uh, she sent me to a gynecologist, um, and they wanted to do an ultrasound, and I said, why not just do the MRI, because that gives more information. Um, so I checked in with myself, and it just didn't feel that it was a good thing to do right now, but I'm having such extreme pain, and I, I started. I never would even touch an aspirin, and now I'm taking ibuprofen because of the pain so bad. Um, the naturopath said that uh, the the intestinal wall is thinned out in some areas, and it needs to grow, uh, needs to thicken. Um, but it's it's taking a long time, and it hurts like heck. So 
I don't know how I can um, build the intestinal wall, uh, or I don't even know what what really, other than the pain um, of the nerve around the intestine is caught. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why the pain's there because it's stopping me from working and doing anything. Could you tell me a little more about where this pain is located? It's in the lower abdomen. It began in the lower right, and then it moved to the lower left. And it seems to be more in your intestines than in anything else. I just know it's in those areas. I don't know if I never. I never really had, um, you know, cramping during my when I was, um, you know, in the during my periods. Uh-huh. I never mm-hmm. had an issue. Mm-hmm. I, I all my years, I never really had anything going on. Mm-hmm. I would be, you know, what besides is, ibuprofen relieves this pain? Does a warm bath relieve it? Yes, sometimes. Does fennel does fennel seed tea relieve it? I haven't it. I haven't tried that lately. I should try that. I'll try that. Mhm. Um, I'm a little disturbed by the colonoscopy and by this doctor telling you that your intestinal wall is thin. What does he base that on? No, he didn't tell me that. The naturopath did. That's what I'm saying. What is the naturopath basing this on? Muscle testing. Oh, please. Is he a phrenologist too? (laughs) I don't know what to do. I, I don't know. Completely understand, but as far as I'm concerned, muscle testing is not a way to diagnose anything. And any okay. information that anybody gives you from muscle testing, I suggest you drop in the trash bin or the garbage okay. disposal and turn on the switch because it's useless. It's garbage. How do I determine what's going on? I've only been trained, you know, the, the only uh, thing uh, that I know... Let's start, yeah, let's start here. You think something might be happening in your intestines. What do you know about your intestines? That's where the food goes and gets digested. What kinds of cells make up your intestines? How often are they replaced? Do you know that the inner lining of your intestines all the way from your mouth through to your rectum is covered in a layer of mucus-producing cells, which is completely replaced every 24 hours? Mm-hmm. That the intestines themselves are as thin as rice paper? Have you ever had a sausage and there's been like a casing around the sausage? That's intestine. That's how thick intestine is. Mm. It's very, very thin. Okay. So this whole idea that your intestine is thicker or thinner is really silly. Okay. Now, it's not just a straight tube. You know, it's like 
It goes to the villi in the nose. Exactly, you know? exactly. You know, it's it's bumpy and it goes in and out and swirls around and peristalsis moves through it. But usually what's happening when there's pain in the intestines is that there's gas. Mm-hmm. And that gas is causing a swelling of that thin intestinal wall, which is supposed to be thin. And there's a lot of nerves down there in the intestines. And it causes pain. Okay. In general, cancer tends not to hurt. Not always true. And once cancer is very well established, it can hurt a lot. But in the beginning stages, it doesn't. In general, something that is going to kill you because of pain is going to do it pretty fast. So a pain that's chronic and that goes on and on is probably not going to kill you. <laughs> okay. So drink lots of fennel Our tea. mental state has a lot to yeah. do with how we perceive the pain. There was a very interesting article somebody just gave me from the New York Times. It was The headline was, Is Pain a Sensation or an Emotion? Mm-hmm. And the emotion of your pain is you don't know what go away. Yes. And what every teacher that I have had has told me is, You don't make the pain go away. You go into the pain. Let me share some other things that are happening. Because that's in the core. Many of us, Um, when we're in pain, tighten up around the pain. And that makes it hurt more. And mm -hmm. so what those teachers are suggesting is that we loosen up around the pain. And that if there is a way for us to relieve that pain, loosening will do it. And if if we are going to take something like ibuprofen, that we do that with a time limit of how we're getting off it, that we have an exit plan, even as we're doing that. So that Mm -hmm. might give you time to figure out herbs that would relieve that pain, like perhaps fennel seed tea. Or slippery elm. Slippery elm is a wonderful herb for the guts. Marshmallow root. Comfrey leaf infusion. Now, how do I know it's intestine or if it's something with the uterine lining or the ovaries? I just know it's in the lower ab. you know, it's... Exactly. Exactly. It's rare that both ovaries would hurt at once. It's where what? It is rare for Uh both ovaries to hurt at once. When there's ovarian pain, it tends to be sharp and brief. Okay. Unless you think you might have an ectopic pregnancy, and I don't think that that's in the cards here. No. No. So um, I sincerely doubt that anything 
at all is going on with your ovaries, especially anything that would cause pain. Mm-hmm. Uterine pain tends to be more centered and often very easily relieved with a warm bath. There are plenty of antispasmodic herbs, from ginger to cramp bark to uh, catnip. You can't hurt yourself by drinking a cup of tea of any antispasmodic herbs, sage or peppermint or lemon balm. They also relieve gas. It's not so important to know exactly what's going on if we're not going to apply drugs or surgery. If we're not going to use steps five or six, if what we're going to use is herbs that are going to make us healthier, then Interestingly enough, the herbs that help to relieve urine cramping are the same herbs that relieve intestinal cramping. Hmm. But you named different ones. Yes, there's, because there's all kinds of different herbs that do that. But anything in the mint family. Lemon balm's in the mint family. Sage is in the mint family. Mint is in the mint family. Lots of mint family herbs. Motherwort's in the mint family. Mm-hmm. Lavender. Lots of the mint family herbs relieve menstrual cramps and relieve gas pain as well. Catnip. They're all wonderful. And it, it also there's also when this is lessening, but um, I'm very dry. And um, I feel, I don't know how else to describe it. It's very hard around my vaginal area. I don't, I've never had these sensations before. And my mom has passed before, way before. I, she didn't share any of that when she was, she she passed when she was in her 50s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm living, you know, five, ten years later. I'm, yeah, yeah. It's, no, a, it's an odd sensation to realize that. you're older than your mom ever got to be. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, again, um, the things we've been talking about, comfrey leaf infusion, the things that help moisten throughout the body can be used. Again, warm baths, a warm bath with some comfrey leaf infusion put in it. Very healing well, for, the, for the vaginal tissues. Get, you know, Make a shallow bath and strain a quart of comfrey infusion and pour it in the tub. Be aware that it can stain the porcelain of the tub. Comfrey is a stainer. And that if you have white towels and it gets on the towels, it's going to stain the towels too. And so for that reason, some people like marshmallow because it doesn't stain. But it has the same slippery effect. Okay. So one quart I put in, one quart of... Of the infusion, what? the strained infusion, because you don't want the, okay. all those leaves to go down your drain. Okay. You strain all the plant material out, and then just the liquid infusion goes in the bath water with you. That sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, 
That sounds lovely. I, 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 I bought some of the um, Epsom salts, and that didn't even really do much. I didn't, you know, I put a cup in. Uh, Epsom salt does nothing. Yeah, it doesn't, didn't do anything for me. No. no. Somebody discovered a deposit of Epsom salt and said, oh, my, how shall I make my living on this? And said, well, I'll tell people that it's good in the bath. Really? <laughs> I There's simply nothing to it at all. Many people like to throw Epsom salts in the bath. So be it. They are supporting the man who found the deposit of Epsom salts. It's not a problem. It's certainly not going to hurt you unless you're living on a very limited budget, in which case it does cost something. Okay, so for me, for the. I'll tell you, a nurse told me that her absolute favorite soak, and she actually bought me a bottle of ivory dish detergent. (laughs) And she says, and she's right, I've used it. She says there's a surfacant in it Mm -hmm. that really softens tissue. So that's what she always recommends to women. Anything you need to soak, you just put a little ivory dishwashing liquid in there. You'll see. <laughs> works. It works a whole lot better than Epsom salts. That's all I can say. Okay. My goodness, we've just been talking the night away here, and I see that I have only ten minutes before my guest is on. So I should ask Rebecca. Rebecca, how many more questions do I have to answer? We still. Oh wow! Um, a few people have queued up since you've been on here, so we have six people. So. All right. Well, I'll do my best. I'm sure I won't get to everybody, but I'm going to say green blessings and good night to you and go on to the next person. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The next caller is coming from the 505 area code. Um, yes, hello, Susan. Hi. I have been following your work for decades, and I am so deeply appreciative of all of the wisdom and information that you offer us. So just wanted to start with some gratitude. Thank you. I have recently moved to New Mexico. um, And I think that I'm going to be settling here um, for the long term. I'm very interested in learning about the native plants because most of what I know about are, you know, kind of plants from the East Coast and European plants. And do you have any recommendations on resources for me to learn more about um, the native plants in this part of the world? Michael Moore. And he um, lived in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And... The plants of Arizona, of course, go down into Mexico. Now, Mexico goes further, 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 further south. Um, Mm -hmm. So that would be a start. And then the other thing that many people have done is to befriend the abuelas, befriend the aunts, befriend the grandmothers. Find Mm -hmm. out what they're using. Find out what their mothers used. It's the wise woman tradition. It lives in every right. house. Go by plant families. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about the mints 
and the things right. that we know the men to do. And there's plenty of men that grow in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, feel like you have to just, you know, bring thyme and rosemary and basil with you. Be willing right. to right. Op- open up to the mints that are there. And mm-hmm. and that's once you know those plant families and have good ideas about what goes on in a the family, then you can see a plant and know it's in that family even if you don't know the specific genus or species and have okay. at least a working guess as to how you might use it. Beautiful. And I'm going to say greed blessings and respond to the next person. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. <laughs> Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, okay, I have a question, and maybe it could be quick. I got a, the um, Mountain Rose Herb accidentally sent me someone else's order, <laughs> and I called them. They didn't charge me for it, and I called them, and they were like, oh, just keep it. So I have a couple of herbs that I was wondering how you might use them. One is dried St. John's wort. There's a lot of it. And I, I've never, I know you always say, like, don't, you use fresh plants and there's some issues with the dried St. John's wort. Is there anything you could make, you would make out of that? Dream pillow. Oh, a dream pillow. Okay. All right. People perfect. use Great. it in tea. People use it in tea blends. If I had my okay. way, if I was queen of the world, it wouldn't be for sale. But I'm not. Uh huh. Because you do you think it caught? Like, is there? I mean, yes. So yeah. I, yes, I follow I think you and I follow your advice. I think it has. So, I think it has constituents once it's dried that be, uh, become very problematic. Okay. I don't okay. use it dried at all. Yeah. And what okay. what other herb was in the, your order? Your your um, order. So there's red. Red, red clover herb, not the flower, but the herb. Right. Dream and, pillow. And do you feel like, also dream pillow, okay. <laughs> dream pillow. Okay. I know, I was really disappointed. I was like, I wouldn't use these ever. But maybe there's something I could do with them. Um, okay, one more that I have no idea what it is. Alkanet root powder. It's used in uh, potpourri's. And if my memory is serving me well, I think that it's um, also a dye. Yeah, it's very dark purple. It's beautiful, but interesting. Okay. So don't. Okay, well, that's. Dream pillows. It'll get your sheets all purple. Okay, okay. Okay. Thanks, Susan. You too. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. The next caller from the 718 area code. Yes. Hi, Susan. Good evening. So I have, like, sensitive eyes. I called you in the past. I have retinitis pigmentosa. And yesterday, somehow, I burst some blood vessels in the eyes, got blurry. And it's kind of calmed down today. But today I was having, like, piercing pain through the eyes. It feels like maybe, perhaps, and I have to check it out um, this week, but perhaps the eye pressure um, has gone up. I was wondering which herbs would be an ally for my eyes right now. The herb that immediately comes to mind 
interestingly enough, is Hawthorne. Hawthorne, okay. And we think of Hawthorne so much as a, a heart herb, but one of the things that Hawthorne does is it helps to keep the capillaries strong. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So whenever there's capillary damage or capillaries breaking down, I always think Hawthorne. Okay, and is can I um, take like a... Um, like a Tincture of the berries or? is fine. Yeah. Okay. And internally, not in your eye. Okay, so drink it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, right. and then like, and to take a dropper full, or go go by how my body responds, or just yeah. dropper full. Yeah, okay. it's a, it's really a food like rose hips, so it's almost impossible to take too much. Great, thank you so much. You really calm me down. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Thank you. The next caller is from the eight four five area code. Hi, Susan. Hello. How are you? Well, what's up? I'm looking for a good resource for a serious vitamin D deficiency I was just diagnosed with. And it was actually on my blood work from a year ago, and nobody saw it. I have some pretty bad symptoms. I don't even know how it could have happened. I've I've, I've looked over, you know, all the things that, uh, I should be doing. It doesn't make any sense to me why it has happened, but I'm um, pretty sure I can fix it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about the the pills. Can you tell me what will... symptoms of vitamin D deficiency are? Um, uh, well, fatigue, joint pain, um, gastro problems. Um, even problems with mental concentration. One of the things I was even reading that it can cause schizophrenia, and lately, over like the past Much month more so, like a vitamin B12 deficiency. Uh, my B12 is really good. This was all uh, on the D. It's, it's Tell me, do uh, you use pretty much olive oil? Um, yeah, I do. Olive oil masks the vitamin D in your blood, and so your blood tests show up with massive vitamin D deficiency, but it's not true. Well, they did two different vitamin D tests, and, um, uh, yeah, um, well, anyway, are there is there anything with herbs? Uh, I, I can't find anything that would help. Vitamin D is the sunshine vitamin. The sun. Right, right, right. So you get vitamin D from the sun by going out into the sunshine, and we've passed spring equinox, so now in good vitamin D-making territory, in the sun, sun, at least 15 minutes between 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock when the sun is highest, no sunscreen, and you should be able to make in that 15 minutes about 20,000 international units of vitamin D. I I do all the right things for the vitamin D, but all the symptoms that I'm having uh, all all, uh, are suggestive of this deficiency. And whether it's true or not, you know, it's hard for me to decide. But I just thought, well. Maybe you should take a supplement. Right, right. Since you're so convinced that this is what's going on. I'm not, but you seem to be very, very convinced by it. And I certainly don't want to argue with you. Yeah. 
Well, I just um, want to try you know, it. And see if it vitamin makes a D difference. is kind of the popular yeah. girl on the block these days, and everybody has a vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> and uh, most of the research that's coming out is finding that's not true, and that really? basically there aren't any symptoms that go along with a vitamin D deficiency. But again, this is okay. so important to you that I certainly don't want to break into your story here. Oh, come on. No, no, no. It's just, uh, you know, this whole, yeah, you know, no, I what can better. I say? This is a very important story to you that you have this incurable vitamin D deficiency. And so the best thing I can say is take a supplement. Because going yeah. out in the sun and, um, you know, understanding that the, your blood test is probably wrong and that you're going to, like, shift your whole life around um, because of a test, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I don't get tested. Yeah, I'm 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 loath to to do these things. Uh, the doctor certainly doesn't seem to be concerned. I just found out today, so um, I just wanted to kind of look into the matter further. That's all. Sunshine. Uh, more more than sunshine. Anything. I do. Vitamin I D do is that, the sunshine yeah. vitamin. Get yourself some sunshine. Don't yeah. take a shower. Don't take a bath. I it do takes all that. Yeah. Six hours for the vitamin D to go through your skin and be processed by your liver and kidneys. If you're showering or bathing every day, even if you're in the sun, you could be vitamin D deficient. Yeah, the only thing that interested me really about this whole story was how, like, it's manufactured in your liver, uh, one, one type of the D, and then your kidneys. So um, if, if nothing else, like, I have been wanting to just try to strengthen them up in my in my aging years and... Um, yeah. Are you drinking your nourishing herbal infusions on a daily basis? No. That's a good place to start. I, yeah, I was thinking that. I, I really was. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you. And green blessings to you, and I happily I, welcome Abigail Barella, who is an energy healer and an astrologer. She's originally from the Adirondack Mountains of upstate New York, just north of the Catskills, north of me. Abigail immersed herself in nature and empowered herself. She was raised in a matriarchal culture under her storytelling and beloved grandmother. She began her career as a birth doula and childbirth educator, and about six years ago, she created Sparkle and Shine Guidance to focus on helping people see their natural gifts and empowering individuals to share their gifts with their community. Angela Barella is a mother, an auntie, and a medicine woman. She likes to hike, dance, cook, and read. Welcome to the show, Abigail. Hello. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. How did you decide to name yourself Sparkle and Shine Guidance? Wow. It's a story that I think you would be one of the few to appreciate. <laughs> um, I was nursing my youngest. And you know how sometimes when you're nursing a child, you're in kind of a meditative state and uh, my inner child, you know, and so connected to the heart chakra and my inner child just like walked across like my mind frame and was like, sparkling shine guidance. And I was so resistant. I was like, that's too woo. You know, I come from the East Coast and I was like, that's just too much. And it took me a really long time of like, sitting with it and, and respecting that inner child part of me that really wanted that and wanted me to embrace that part of myself and to share that with others. So, um, yeah, that's how I got the name. So you sparkle and shine, 
and you help others sparkle and shine. I was helping somebody uh, write her bio. She was uh, proposing um, a workshop to a, an herbal conference, and she was having a really hard time writing her bio. And I said, well, it, what you want to put in your bio is how you want others to see you and how you want to be. So I think sparkle mm-hmm. and shine is a great example of that. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. It is. You, you have a name you have to live up to. It's true. It keeps it holds me accountable. It really does in a way because I want to um, know what feeds me and be in that place of that shine so that I can obviously share that with others. So I can't, you know, uh, disengage from the things that feed me. Exactly. Yeah. You have very craftily created in your life something that makes you lead the life you want to. Exactly. It's a wonderful thing to figure that out. And I think that's something that um, I, you know, I don't just work only with women, but I think as women, there's this tendency to, and I was listening into your show and I was like, yes, because there's this tendency to want to look to an authority and it's not always a male, but it can be. And to really take that on as a um, job to shine for ourselves and to really be in our power. So there is an element that I really want to not only encourage women, because I think we all do it, look to um, authority figures, but to really know that we have our own gifts to share and we can share what we know. And um, yeah, so, and I love your body of work because it really helps people to see that as well. So I think it's important. One of your authority figures growing up was a beloved grandmother. Tell us a little bit more about her. What was her name? Marion. Her name was Marion, and she was unique in the way that she was just a natural storyteller. She was Irish, and she grew up listening to stories, and so she was able to captivate, you know, 12 children, 12 of her grandchildren in a room with just her stories, and you know, I didn't think there was anything unique about that. And a lot of the stories she would tell were, you know, Great Depression era of survival and learning to live off the land and, you know, using everything you have and being creative and frugal. Um, And I didn't think there was anything unique about that being raised that way, you know, until I got older and and recognized that, um, you know, a lot of people just don't have that experience, not only um, the experience of being raised and, you know, in the storytelling way of, really being able to create a picture and image in your mind and create your own, um, your own narrative from that, from listening in. So, you know, when she would tell stories about these chickens that, you know, she'd have to pluck the feathers off of or whatever, you know, you create in your own mind this image and um, just how much that nurtured that creative part of me and that part of me that recognized that um, we really create with our words and also create with our, um, our visual sense, you know. So uh, she was really a strong character in my life. Um, and uh, she lived into her 90s. And, you know, she always would say these little things like, God made dirt, dirt don't hurt, or just like these little wise sayings that I know so many of us know. But I think we belittle the intelligence, the, the, you know, that just like that raw intelligence that has left a lot of our culture right now. Um, So just a lot of her sayings stuck with me and just the way that she was so um, natural at um, knowing how to survive and knowing how to thrive in elements that weren't always nurturing towards women, towards, you know, single mothers especially. So it was really, um, it shaped me, you know. Oh, Mary Ann, what a wonderful grandmother to have and to 
be there. I can so envision you sitting there with your your 11 siblings, cousins? Cousins, yeah. (laughs) Yep. I was just saying the other day that I no longer know any women who have a dozen children. It's true. It's a very rare thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. And even 25 years ago, it wasn't that rare. I know. I don't, yeah. Remember the last woman I talked to has a dozen children. I said, what caused you to have a dozen? She said, well, my husband said if I had eight, he'd buy me a house, and I just kept going. (laughs) Well, I've heard that after three, it just gets easier. And I don't know how that can be true, but I've heard that. (laughs) That's what she said, too. She said they just bring each other up. You have been a doula and a childbirth educator. Can you share with us something from that part of your life? Yeah, sure. Um, So that is um, really how I was, well, excuse me, how I was introduced to your work. You know, I think it was like 2001 or 2002 that I I just always, I've always, always, always loved babies. I felt like I talked to babies and I've always had that connection with babies and so, you know, it would make sense to work with the people carrying the babies. <laughs> um, so that's really how I got into it and um, discovering, you know, your book and um, a bunch of others and just reading a lot about it and decided, you know, I wanted to do that work. And, of course, I was like, well, maybe I should have a baby first um, to know what it's like to be able to do this. So I had my first baby, and I actually went to my first birth when I was pregnant with her. And, yeah, I, I love the, the work as a doula. I love being at that um, there's you there's no words for being able to bear witness to the the raw beauty you know of a human being born when you're not the one having to work to do it <laughs> you know it's something all in another way to be able to just observe and support um and so there was so much that i learned and i think that that um experience shapes not only how um, how I raise my children and how i how i interact with clients that i work with now Um, But also just like interacting with the medical, um, you know, medical area of life and being in the hospitals and really recognizing that um, our vibration as humans speaks so much louder than anything else. And just seeing how a woman would be treated based on nothing other than the vibe that she brought to the room and not saying that that's right or wrong but um, really trying to help the woman, like, be in a good vibration in order to be well-received. And, you know, just, like, talking about, like, energy and vibration, those kind of things. Like, I just learned a lot about that. Um, I love working with um, herbs and different things that really enrich a woman's life, not just for, you know, that pregnancy, but also how they're going to parent that child. And so it's really an opportunity, like you were saying earlier, you know, about the ultrasound, it's an opportunity to see, like, just because, and I remember, like, my mom used to have the Dr. Spock book, and she'd get under the lamp of the Dr. Spock book, and I, even at that time, I was like, this is bullshit, you know, like, oops, my life made that, sorry, <laughs> um, you know, and just, like, looking to this, this authority, you know, in that way, and, like, I remember she got my, my little, my younger brother circumcised, and I was so mad at her, um, you know, because the authority said to, and so I think it's an opportunity to go either way, right, to, once you have the information, the education, you start to see like, oh, well, if, if one thing's treated this way, maybe it's all connected. You know, maybe this is a for-profit for system that, um, you know, not to go too much into that, but I, I learned a lot about uh, health through seeing how we treat um, pregnancy and not only pregnancy, but 
you know, babies and, you know, vaccination, but also not only vaccination, but just the disconnect um, to babies um, because they are such wise. They come in these wise, whole beings. And um, how can we keep them that way? You know, it's certainly not the way that our medical system is set up. So that was a tangent. I apologize. <laughs> no, not at, no, not at all. I asked you to talk about being a childbirth educator and a birth doula. And I can see, you know, that that's been very important to you and every woman who has offered mm-hmm. her services to other women in that way is changed by it. It is a unique time to mm-hmm. share with anyone the, the the coming through the portal, either coming through the portal into birth, coming through the portal into death. Those portals are... powerful, amazing, amazing places. But I was thinking that you saw the energy and saw the repercussions of the energy and then sought to train yourself in ways to work with that energy rather Mm -hmm. than learning about the energy and then seeing if you could find it. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's one of the things about recognizing your own wisdom is being able to see that it was there all along, you were just numb to it or you were just blind to it or you just weren't able or willing to see that it was always there with you, you know? So it was from your experiences at birth that got you to understand that energy and healing go together, that they're similar things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was definitely um, interested in it, but I had to live it, you know? I had to have those experiences of really... Um, holding that sacred space too. I think that like you're talking about with the portals, it's like, unfortunately there are so many people that take advantage of those portals as a way to, um, oh, you know, energy vampires, or just whatever. But for me to, to watch like, Oh, this is a sacred thing and it needs to be protected. Um, I think that really motivated me to also create those opportunities and spaces for people to rebirth themselves to reconsolidate their energies in a way that, that is a form of like, rebirthing the self and coming back to wholeness. Mm. Oh, how lovely. So it seems to me from the little that I know about you that the energy component is very important and perhaps it's even what is meant by sparkle and shine. Exactly. Yeah. It's a consolidation, right? It's um, when, and, and you obviously like for what you do and, and what you share, it's, it's, it's the utilization of the tools that we have here in order to get to that place. Like knowing what, what gives us that feeling of fullness, that feeling of not being overwhelmed, that feeling of being powerful because we're consolidated with all the things that we know feed us. And so, um, I think that for more than anything, what I want to help other people to do is to figure out what those things are because we're all so different. And I think that's where the astrology comes in is like looking at the chart, looking at what archetypes are really affecting this person that, that they don't even know, you know, and if they, they can become aware of and they can become aware of what they're good at because we're so taught at what we're not good at, you know, it's like drilled into us what we're really not good at but we really don't take much time to figure out a lot of the time. Sometimes we do to figure out what we're really good at and where we excel. And so I think to figure those things out, that is where the sparkling China is, you know? And that's something that you help people do is you help them figure out what they're already good at. 
Yeah, exactly. It's already all there. And that's why I say, like, you know, for people that are drawn to work with me, like, you'll know. Like, the guides will show you if it's time to work with me. Or, like, I don't like doing a lot of, you know, pushing people towards working with me because they know. And we all have that inherent wisdom. We've just been taught to disregard it. And so, um, yeah, so certainly when people feel the timing is right, then we go in and, and we just reawaken. It's just like waking up, just like how the herbs come in and they wake up, you know, parts of our body that need waking up. It's like in that same way, figuring those things out and looking at the energetic pieces, you know, um, it can really help a person to uh, take re-ownership of parts of their life as well and, and kind of come into more authority in their own lives. So here at the midpoint of our talk, maybe you could share a few ways for listeners to get in touch with you. I think you have a YouTube channel on it. Sure. Other things, just any of that information. Yeah, do. So I, I can be found through social media, through Sparkle and Shine Guidance. Um, and then my website is actually my name, which I've been told I need to also do the Sparkle and Shine, but it's just my name right now, which is abigailbarella.com. So if you Google Abigail Barella, I'll come up. Or if you Google Sparkle and Shine Guidance, I'll come up. And um, I have a newsletter. I do a new moon and a full moon oracle, so to speak. So it's just basically talking about what sign the new moon's in, ways that might be helpful to work with it. Um, and so that's a way to kind of get introduced to um, the kind of like little bites of uh, astrology that I offer. And, yeah, that's a good way to kind of find me. Excellent. Fantastic. Can you give us... Susan, it sounds like your your line is cutting out a little bit. It is a little bit. I had to switch to the not-so-good handset because the battery went out on the other one. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, all right. Sounds better. It's, it's a little echoey on this handset. So... Could you give us some specific examples of how we might help ourselves find something we're good at? Sure. Yeah, let's see. Um, well, I think that – okay, I'm going to try – I'm, like, trying to think of a specific example because that makes it easier for me. Um, so, I mean, I think for, for me personally to give – to what was most helpful is – sitting with ourselves and to figure it out. And I think that's clearing a block of time. So let's say an hour in your day. And we think we don't have time. That's the illusion, right? We think we we think we're so busy that we don't have time, but watch if you put a block on your social media, right, for like an hour, um, and you just sit like in your morning cup of tea or coffee or whatever you had drink. And you sit and you decide to take an hour to just explore. And maybe you write, maybe you talk, but you sit with yourself and you explore um, things that you like to do. And if this is something that's really challenging or you really have a block, what, what I do a lot with people when I work with them is we get back in touch with that inner child. This is, um, we get back in touch with that inner child. Like what did that inner, you know, eight or nine-year-old like to do? What did that seven-year-old like to do? And sometimes we have trauma that keeps us from remembering what we actually did when we had freedom, when we had joy. And the wonderful things about children is even if they are living in extremely um, stressful situations, they find a way to play and they find a way to figure out the things that they like to do. So I think looking back to our inner child and looking back at the ways we used to spend our time, 
I know that I used to climb trees a lot, and so I have spent, you know, some of my adult life now climbing trees because I know it feeds me and must because I, I sought to do it when I was a child. So I must, you know, there must be something in there. And I'm not saying you have to climb trees, but, like, be close to trees maybe if you didn't feel comfortable climbing them if you liked doing that when you were a kid. So just trying to kind of mirror. Um, there must have been some wisdom in what you were doing as a child to heal yourself, to calm yourself, to soothe yourself, to be at one with yourself and to kind of go back and grab it. Um, and then writing, doing free writing about what you'd like to explore. I, I, I say to make like a leisure list, like, oh, if I had all the time in the world, like make this list where if I had this immense amount of time, I would do this. I would spend some time doing this. I'd learn this thing. I'd, you know, learn, you know, astrology or I'd do these things. And if I had all the time and energy and resources, um, and maybe you're not going to get to all of them, but you'll have this leisure list that you can really decide that you're going to commit to doing one thing on there. And I think that that's a really good way to kind of get, not only learn something new or get back in touch with something that fed you, but also to, to take care of yourself in that way. Because if you don't have time, you know, if we say we don't have time for the things that feed us, what are, what are we making time for? You know, the things that don't feed us. So, I just really, I, I know I, I get in a lot of arguments about this because they're like, I just don't have the time. And, and I hear that. And um, we have to make the time, you know. And I think it's very important that we allow ourselves to try something and decide we don't like it. Yes, absolutely. There's learning that happens like, through that process. Well, guess what? I don't like digging now. That's okay. Move on, Susan. Yeah. Absolutely. Really the permission to see life as a smorgasbord. Mhm. You can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and say, I'll never take any more of that. Oh, I'm going back <laughs> thirds on this. Mhm. It's really okay. Where does storytelling come in? Well, storytelling comes in because a lot of the work that I do, so I do two different things, which is kind of confusing to people. So I utilize the astrology and the chart as a, as a really like kind of cracking open, like here, here's what I see. And it kind of, I always say like the birth chart is the one thing in this world that doesn't move. It's, it was the moment you were born. That was what was happening in the sky. It doesn't move. But the healing is the, the learning how to work with those energies that are kind of imprinted or whatever. And so the, the energy work that I do has, a, has definitely an energy. Whole, whole things have a storytelling component. Um, but when we're doing, so the work that I do, the energy work that I do, I, we close our eyes. We, we envision what, um, what it looks like with the energy from the earth coming in, with the energy from the sky coming in to nourish our bodies, to nourish our souls, to nourish our spirit. And then um, I get a picture. So I'll have the person say their name, and then I get pictures. And that's where the storytelling or where, like, the basis of, you know, my grandma so clearly having us draw pictures in our minds really came through in how I really help people heal because I'm able to see things because I let myself play. I let myself, you know, see what's coming through energetically, Um you know, what we say is like the energy doesn't lie, right? So um, there's stories and, and we create healing from those stories. So we'll, um, you know, just like how you were saying, people come on the show with questions for you, but they have a whole story running. And um, not to like, you know, knock anybody, but 
we all have stories and, and that story sometimes creates so much resistance in our life that there's no movement. Movement can't happen because we have the story that's um, really creating a lot of stagnation and resistance in our life. So that's where the story like moving through. And I always say like, you know, emotion has the word motion in it. We need to move the energy. Um, so that's where, you know, visualizations and the storytelling come in. Yes, Jean Houston always said the reason to know the story is because then you know, oh, yes, I'm in that part of the story. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I don't, think it's important. Oh, mm-hmm. golly, the last chapter, you know, ah, now there's plenty of chapters after this one. Exactly. Yeah, we can't know it all. Astrology is kind of an ongoing story like that. As you say, it has mm-hmm. like a but then it keeps changing throughout our lives in, in, in because, because we're changing our place in relationship to those astrological figures. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's what's so interesting to read a chart for someone who's 20 versus someone who's 56. You know, it's like that is so rewarding for me to see the wisdom that comes through just by being here, you know, just by like experiencing these, not, I mean, not to like say that it's only astrology, but to experience these transits and these, you know, you can say it however you want, these years, this time period, um, and how that just by nature of that time, we get to know ourselves because we've had those experiences of, um, you know, living through, unfortunately, unfortunately, these lessons, these growth periods where we have to step up and we have to do our work, you know. Your grandmother was a storyteller. Did she also do energy healing? Did your mother or grandmother do anything with astrology? No. And, and you know, the women in my family would not want me saying that they did, but of course they did, you know? So it's like um, it was very subtle and it was very um, – it never would be acknowledged. But, you know, my mom would always do laying of the hands. That was just something that I thought all moms did. Um, and so – but if I said she was doing energy work, she would say, oh, no, I'm not, you know. Um, but it was very intuitive, and it was very just like the way that they did things. And so they were all very intuitive, very, um, I would say, uh, just that inherent feminine wisdom carried through. And my grandmother, you know, my grandmother had this thing. It's so funny. She had this kind of like um, I don't know what I'd call it, like a, a wink in her nose is how I can describe it best. And it's so interesting because, um, you know, now that she's passed and I see my son, sometimes I'll catch him doing that winking of those. And when he does it is when he's tuning in. Like I can tell because what a, the work that I do. And I can tell it's when he's tuning into something else, you know, like the energy around him. And so it's really interesting to make that connection. You know, it wasn't when I was a kid, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, like they're doing energy work um, or they're like tuning into something else. But, of, of course, it was always there. And. Um, my aunt was more so my, my mom's sister. Um, she would, you know, have us doing activities that would really build our intuition. So like poem reading or, you know, playing these games where we closed our eyes and had to like guess what it was. And so we were always playing those kind of games, but it was always in a way of like, it's not like you're training to become an intuitive healer, but you kind of are, you know? Yes, absolutely. With yeah. those those kinds of games without a doubt. Like when Lorraine mm-hmm. Wappett took, took us, a whole group of apprentices and myself, 
out into the woods at dusk. And as it got darker and darker, blindfolded us and said, I'm going to the drum find me. Wow. How yeah. did that go? Well, you 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 really got very uh, very attuned to what was out there in the darkened forest with your blindfold on very quickly. Yeah. Wow. Could hear I her love drum. That. So you know, like how many fallen logs or possible cliffs, because I live in a very cliffy area, or even springs. You could have wound up, you know, hip deep in a spring. Mhm. Really get your senses out there, as you say, you know, training. Mhm. To be aware and to not rely on your eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Abigail Barella, it has been so much fun talking to you. We're just about out, up to the last minute of the show, so tell people again how they can contact you. Sure. So I'm on all um, Instagram and Facebook on Sparkle and Shine Guidance. And then my website is just my name, abigailbarella.com. And you can Google either of those, and I'll hopefully come up. And thank you so much, Susan, for having me on. I really, really appreciate being able to spend time with you. You're like a hero to me. I really love all that you do. Thank you. He, the O, of course, is the male form, and the A is the female form, so I'm a Hera. And, of course, it's not feminine wisdom. It's female wisdom because feminine is a cultural construct, but female is actually genetic. And it's so used mm-hmm. to your male line, not your feminine line, because feminine will. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I run a chainsaw, and I'm female. So, I hear you. <laughs> to the last minute here, what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight, Abigail Barella? Well, I just appreciate everyone listening and just, yeah, that idea of play and really trusting yourself and your innate wisdom that you came here. You came here with so much wisdom and to just remember that it's always within you and you can do, you know, so much that we're, we don't give ourselves permission to do. So just enjoying the life that you're here to live. Beautiful, heartfelt words. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the goddess. And thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Justine. Herbal medicine is people's medicine. Wherever we are on this planet right now, we all give thanks for the beautiful green blessings around us. Good night, everybody. Till next week. Thank you, everyone. Good night.